Hello and welcome to Jonathan's Verdicts. I'm Jonathan Simeone. The title of this episode is Thoughts After the Nevada Caucus. The verdict for this episode is, and I'm so thrilled to have this verdict, Bernie Sanders will be the next president of the United States. Now, as always, I don't edit these podcast episodes. I don't have a script. They're just a chance for me to say what is on my mind. So here's the story, the state of play as it is uh, less than 24 hours after the Nevada caucus. Now, to be fair, we still don't have the total final delegate results. Uh, which, again, is why the caucus system has to go. Like, the, it just doesn't work. But let's not belabor that point because we have enough information to know where we are, even without the final delegate count. The story going into Nevada, which I didn't believe was true, but the story being pushed by the corporate-sponsored media and the corporate-sponsored politicians was that Bernie had a ceiling. Uh, he was winning, you know, 25, 30% of the vote. In Nevada yesterday, he got 47% of the vote. 47% of the vote. In a race where going in, Five or six people looked like they could get some votes. He got almost half the vote. In a race that crowded, that is really an extraordinary achievement. And when you look at the entrance poll information, uh, he won, dominated, huge critical blocks of voters. I think the most interesting thing is his uh, victory among Latino voters. Uh, Bernie got 54% of all Latino votes in Nevada, 54%, a blowout, a blowout victory. And the narrative has been that in diverse areas – Bernie would would have trouble. That was the other thing we were supposed to believe, is that Joe Biden was the diversity candidate. I never believed it. Uh, I never really understood why people were peddling the Biden story. Uh, but according to the entrance polls, among all people of color, uh, Bernie got 44% of the vote. And Biden got 21%. So among voters of color uh, in Nevada, Bernie had a you know more than 20-point lead over anyone else. Even the firewall of black voters that Biden has been hanging his hat on, uh, Bernie was within 12 points just among the black the black vote, and in second place. Uh, 
So it's really important to look at all this in the context in which it took place as well. Uh, So many people tried to stop Bernie from succeeding in Nevada. Uh, The leadership of the culinary union, the most powerful union in Nevada, uh, told its members not to vote for Bernie. Now, they didn't endorse anyone because the leadership of the union knew a lot of people were going to vote for Bernie anyway. And they did. They ignored the will of their the union leadership and supported Bernie. And why did they do that? They did that because people know that without Medicare for all, without the morality of a system that declares health care is a human right, not a privilege, they are trapped. They saw and see their relatives who don't have the culinary union's health insurance either not be able to go to the doctor or struggle with medical bills. They understand that someday they may lose their job or maybe they want to move to another state. And if they do those things, they may not have health insurance. And they also understand that by fighting so hard for health insurances, health insurance, they trade the fight for wages. And that brings me to the topic uh, that the pundits really don't talk about very much. And that is why this is happening. Why the Sanders movement is picking up steam. And the reason is very simple. There is a lot more suffering in this country than the rich, largely white, pundit and political party, corporate and media class can comprehend. Because they've never been in the position to feel some of this pain. There's all this talk about the economy doing well. uh, And we can't alienate Wall Street. We can't alienate billionaires and millionaires and supposedly demonize success. But here's the thing. This is just true. You can look this up. 47% of the people have no no money, not a single penny in the stock market. So when the stock market hits record highs, it's doing no good, nothing for almost half the people in this country right off the bat. Now, 85% roughly of the value of the stock market is held by 10% of the population. 
So overwhelmingly, the vast majority of benefit from the stock market goes to 10% of the people. They talk about wages. Wages creeping up by 1% here, maybe 2% there. But the average person knows that wages aren't keeping up with the cost of housing. That wages aren't keeping up with the cost of health care. So real wages, that is, you know, the, the purchasing power you have with your wages, is actually going down for most people, even though their actual paycheck may be crawling forward. And on a related note, Voice memos, card overlay, half screen, dimmed. They talk about poverty, people living in poverty. What a lot of folks don't realize is the poverty level in this country is still calculated the same way it was in 1964, which means the poverty level is being calculated on a what was considered a diet of 1964. It doesn't consider the cost of health care, the cost of housing, and all kinds of other modern costs associated with today's life. And if we had a more accurate measure of poverty, the numbers would show way more people living in poverty in this country than the current numbers, which are of themselves embarrassing, show. And so the reason we don't update the formula is so politicians can gloss over the real pain that so many Americans are feeling. And this is why the movement of Sanders is becoming stronger and stronger. Because for the first time in our lives, we really believe there's a politician who's going to do something from the presidency uh, for us. Who's really going to try and address the daily problems we face. That's why this is taking off, because people know talk of the stock market is nonsense, because people know, sadly, they or someone they love is living in poverty, even if the government won't acknowledge that, because so many people know someone who's rationing, who's uh, rationing insulin or not getting an operation because the health insurance they have won't allow them to do to do so that's what this is about and 
that's why the pundit class just isn't getting what's happening. Now, looking ahead to South Carolina, it's going to be 50, probably closer to 60% of the, of the electorate in South Carolina will be black. It's an older population. Uh, Joe Biden, if Joe Biden can't win South Carolina, his candidacy is over. But here's the thing. Bernie doesn't have to win. If Bernie comes in a reasonable second, that's a great showing. That's a great showing for him. He doesn't have to win. Because Bernie's already on the ground in Super Tuesday. He's already advertising in many Super Tuesday states and organizing. The polls show him doing very well in uh, all kinds of Super Tuesday states, especially the biggest prizes of California and Texas. Uh, Biden and Buttigieg together haven't run a single ad in a Super Tuesday state yet. And, you know, Warren was hurt, admittedly, by the timing of her debate performance because 75,000 Nevadans had already voted by the time the debate began. But the fact is, she has, you know, uh, come in fourth twice and third once so far. And at best, at absolute best, she's going to be third in South Carolina. She's not winning anywhere on Super Tuesday except maybe her home state of Massachusetts, although uh, Sanders is within the margin of error in Massachusetts. There's no place, Elizabeth Warren, you know, where are you going to win? It's about winning. Uh, Klobuchar had her speech yesterday in Minnesota. She could lose to Bernie in Minnesota. Like, why is her candidacy continuing? Uh, Pete Buttigieg came in a close third to Biden, uh, supposedly. I mean, you know, again, we don't know for sure. Uh, but he got like 2% of the black vote. Uh, where is his path forward? Um, you know, he got like maybe 8, 7, 8% of the Latino vote. Like, where is his path forward? Where, where is his, you know, everyone talks about coalitions. Bernie has the largest, most diverse, and growing coalition. Um, and that, that's where all of this comes together. That's why Bernie is going to have the most delegates going into Milwaukee. And I predict, this is why I say Bernie... Uh, will be the president. I I predict that once people realize, as they're starting to, that this could really happen, that they could really have a president that actually works for them, uh, more people who don't participate will start participating. I really believe that. I think Nevada was the beginning 
of that. I don't know that you'll see it as much in South Carolina. It's a different electorate. But here's the other thing we have to talk about because I think this matters. South Carolina is going to get a lot of attention. And with good reason for the next several days. But here's the thing. There is a very low probability that any Democrat, no matter who the Democrat is, is going to win South Carolina or Alabama or Arkansas in November. And yet these are the states where conceivably Joe Biden could win on Super Tuesday and coming up on Saturday. Uh, But they're not the states that the Democrats have a really good shot of winning in November. So in the short term, they're very relevant. But how relevant are they in the long term? You know, if the Democratic nominee wins South Carolina in November, uh, the Democratic nominee is winning 47 or 48 states. It's going to be a historic election. And I'm not saying that that's impossible. I'm not saying, but just playing the probabilities, right? Uh, Are South Carolina, Arkansas, and Alabama really going to be bellwethers of the November election? And the answer is probably not. So we have to keep that in mind as we look at who really is electable. You know, what coalition do you really need to win in November? Uh, And the last thing I want to talk about is a lot of the whining from the pundits and the corporate-sponsored politicians has been about the impact that having Bernie Sanders at the top of the ticket would have on the down-ballot races. Uh, and so I just want to submit the following facts to everyone to keep in mind. And that is, during the Obama administration, there are a lot of reasons for this, of course, but again, we're just, we're just talking facts. During the Obama administration, the Democratic Party lost the House, lost the Senate, and lost more than a 1,000 state legislative seats nationwide. The Obama presidency was historically devastating to down-ballot candidates. That is just reality. That is just the truth. The pundit class doesn't want to talk about it. The establishment doesn't want to admit it. But that's real. That's what really happened. And so this idea that we we can't nominate Bernie because he's going to be devastating for down-ballot candidates, but the most popular, beloved politician in the Democratic Party is Obama. And Obama's message, Obama's policies, everything around Obama... And admittedly, there's a lot to it, okay? Race was certainly an issue. I'm not not dismissing that. But the historical reality of it is 
Barack Obama was historically devastating to down-ballot candidates. It is almost impossible to imagine a scenario where Bernie Sanders on a question of down-ballot electability is not significantly better for the Democratic Party than was Barack Obama. And when you look at Bernie's coalition of working-class whites, Latinos, a good chunk of the black population, uh, a good chunk of the college-educated women population, um, that is the coalition that plays around the country despite what the pundits want you to believe. So South Carolina is interesting. Uh, and I think Bernie will do pretty well. I think he's going to have a, a, a pretty competitive second place in South Carolina. That's my prediction. Uh, but if Bernie wins South Carolina, the race is over. It's, 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 it's over. But a, a, a credible second place, because he's by far the strongest Super Tuesday candidate, um, his path to the nomination is clear. Unless the Democratic establishment really wants to let a racist, sexist billionaire who endorsed George W. Bush buy the nomination in terms of Bloomberg. So that's what I have for this episode of Jonathan's Verdicts, and I'll be back soon with more coverage of the upcoming Bernie Sanders administration. <laughs> I just love saying that. <laughs>